0: Recording in progress. Hi, ladies. So today, we're going to be discussing Chapter 3. And Chapter 3 talks about how it feels to have a relationship with an emotionally immature parent. Um, And this doesn't necessarily have to apply just to a parent. It can be just um, an emotionally mature just relationship, period, right? Um, Because I know Yadira and I were discussing some of these um, characteristics. And we could definitely... um, pinpoint some of these characteristics in our own relationships. Um so, oh, do we want to introduce ourselves? <sighs> um
1: I am Yadira. <laughs> <laughs> and if this is your first time tuning in, we have a women empowerment group called Womenology Power of Growth. And um, This is where we share ideas, we share resources, and we're very dedicated to um, healing our inner child um, through self-growth, which is why we are reading this book, <coughs> which is called Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents, How to Deal from Distant, Rejecting, or Self-Involved Parents. Um, if you guys do want to hear the first two episodes, we do have the link in our bio. And then we're going to go ahead and link everything in the description as well. Perfect. So... Chapter three let me go back to the beginning of the page so um what we talk about in chapter three is how it feels to have a relationship with an emotionally immature parent but as we were discussing we were pinpointing how a lot of these things not only stand out for me with my parents but in my partner Um, mine too (laughs) yeah and you know what we pinpointed actually two two main points that we were both like oh my god you picked up on that too and 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 i think that's really cool but before we start discussing we also wanted to
0: share um i did want to make a quick point oh yes which was the craziest thing is that um her hubby and my hubby are brothers so it's kind of crazy that both of them have very similar characteristics of having an emotionally immature parent. So I don't think it's by um, accident no. that, that both of them have very similar um, characteristics um, that totally uh, can be pinpointed back to the book. So, and,
1: yeah. and this is definitely part of breaking the generational trauma because... These two men are brothers, and they are showing the exact same signs that we were pinpointing, and and this is just how that circle of generational trauma works, where you know it just keeps going, it keeps going, and hope and you know thank God that we're we're trying to break that cycle with our children. I mean that's why we're here.
0: Um, and we, if you guys hear somebody <laughs> snoring, it's actually my bulldog. <laughs> it's my dog. We should be like. Ooh, show Mia. (laughs) I know. Mia's over there. Okay.
1: Um, And then before we get started on the topics that jumped out to us, we wanted to show you um, the assessment. So how many does this one have? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So it has... Fifteen statements that you either check off to see
0: if that resonated with you. Um, do you want to read them, or do you mm-hmm. want me to read we them? We can go ahead and read them. Okay. Um, so, first one is. So this, uh, it's assessing your childhood difficulties with emotionally immature parents. Um, so number one says, I didn't feel listened to. I rare, I rarely received my parents' full attention. My parents' mood affected the whole household. Uh, the next one is, my parent was insensitive to my feelings. I felt like I should have known what my parent wanted without being told. I felt like I could never do enough to make my parent happy. I was trying harder to understand my parent than my parent was trying to understand me. Uh, Open, honest communication with my parent was difficult or impossible. My parent thought people should play their roles and not deviate from them. My parent was often intrusive or disrespectful of my own privacy I always felt that my parent thought I was too sensitive and emotional. My parent played favorites in terms of who got the most attention. Um, my parents stopped listening when he or she didn't like what was being said. Uh, I often felt guilty, stupid, bad, or ashamed around my parent. My parent rarely apologized or tried to improve the situation when there was a problem between us. And last one is I often felt pent pent-up anger toward my parent that I couldn't express. So those are uh, some, of these, some of these statements. I mean, they were, they were kind of uh, interesting because I ended up um, checking off, I believe it was seven of, seven of these 15 statements. How many did you check off? I checked off 14.
1: That's a lot. And I was telling her, I was like, wow, I was severely emotionally neglected. But... I just feel like I, I was always very aware of things and you know we're still trying to break that cycle we're still trying to do better with our kids which I'm super proud of us already
0: oh yeah definitely and you know I was thinking you know we're reading this book and we're doing these podcasts um, and now we're on YouTube and it's like it's really not to bash our parents no. because we're trying to learn we're trying to grow as women not only for ourselves. But for, like Yadira keeps saying, for our children, like we don't want to keep making that same mistake that our parents, parents, parents made, you know, and it's like those were different times. I mean, a lot of our parents, especially if you're Latino, you were either raised back in a different country, maybe even in a rural area uh, on a farm, because I know my parents were. And so they were different times. And the way that they needed to raise their kids during those times are a lot different than... The way we're raising our kids but why are we still doing the same things that our parents were doing back you know our grandparents actually were doing back in those days so it's really about like Yadira's saying it's really about breaking that cycle and learning to recognize that these characteristics of being uh, an emotionally immature parent some of these characteristics we carry ourselves so how do we break that right
1: And i also wanted to add on to that that even though it's it's it says more so for parents you know how you were raised with those type of parents it makes me reflect a lot as a parent like a lot um and it also makes me think about my partner a lot and maybe what he may have experienced growing up to make him the way that he is um and then i also wanted to add to Araceli's statement about we're not here to bash our parents because let me just tell you when I first started reading the book it was very emotional I I did like I had a lot of built-up resentment that I, I didn't know I carried until I started reading the book and I had to put the book down because I was really angry and I stayed away from my mom's house for about two weeks but then as you keep reading and you get more into chapter um the end of chapter two you start to realize that they tried to do the best that they could in their environment Mm -hmm. and then it also explains that you know the stress levels that they were probably at the trauma that they faced did not allow their brains to continue to develop which is why they're so disconnected so after i read that i was like how how can i be angry at them when they they were not given a chance and this is why we're here today to give our children a chance to not follow in our footsteps. You know, we want to teach our children what respect is in, not only in a relationship with a partner, but respect within a parent and a child. Because your parent and a child relationship is your first relationship in life. And mm-hmm. I feel like that will set the base for any type of friendship, amorous relationship, relationships with coworkers, just anything in general.
0: You know, when when you were talking, Yavira, I, um, what popped in my head was that You know, you said our parents did the best that they could, right? Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, like, our parents are not educated. No. We can actually pick up a book. Like, our parents didn't have time to read self-help books. Mm -hmm. So they were busy trying to put food on the table and keep a roof over our heads. Yeah. So we can't expect them... I mean, most of our parents, if you're a Latino... Your parents came from a different country, and they were just trying to make it. You know, they were trying to live that American dream. You know, mm-hmm. um, their their definition of success was keeping a roof over your over your head. And maybe even buying a home, yeah. you know, that was what they what they strive for when they were coming. here. They weren't thinking about like, oh, I'm going to go to America and be the best parent I can be. Like, yeah. no. So I think it's like, you know, we're not here like yeah, they just said, we're not here to like bash our parents. They did the best they could. And we're just we're now that we speak English, now that we're educated, what we can do is help our kids be better.
1: And you know what? So before we move on, I also wanted to add about probably how many disappointments they must have had with life. Or oh, To yeah. probably come all the way over here, expect, you know, you need to have a house, you need to have a career, you need to have this. And maybe it didn't go that way. Like, I know a lot of Hispanic parents have been in probably a warehouse job their their entire life, mm-hmm. their entire life, guys. And let me tell you that I worked in a warehouse for one week. I didn't laugh. They, they fired me. But I just remember <laughs> that it was the most depressing job I had ever had in my life. And a lot of the, the people that were there were super older Hispanics. And I just remember thinking like, this is not what they wanted. They didn't cross the border to, to, to work here, like literally in a box, no windows, no, no nothing, you know? And that just really made me think right now when you were saying how you know, they really did make a sacrifice, so and they tried. They yeah. they did the best that they could. So kudos to our parents. They did the best they could.
0: All right. So should we talk about one of the points that stood out to both of us? I think one of the key points that I mean as we as I read the chapter in the beginning, it just really talks about like your relationship as a parent with your baby, right? And so think about that relationship that you've had with your kids. Um, it really kind of like really struck me to think that a lot of times, and depending on, you know, your culture, me and Adira were just talking about like when a baby's crying. I don't think a baby just sits there and says, I'm going to piss my mom off. Let me just start crying. Right. Right. Um, so a lot of times, you know, in the Latino community, it's like, oh, don't pick up the baby because You're gonna spoil you're him. You're gonna spoil him. Lo vas a brasilar, right? Yeah. And it's like, what do you do? You let the baby cry. Right? And so from the get go, we're already neglecting our kids emotionally. That's where it starts. Um, I know with this with this baby that I just had recently, that's one that's one of the things even my dad was like, Lo don't spoil him and I was just like F this like if he cries, it's for a reason, mm-hmm. and he's my last baby. So if if he ends up being spoiled or embrasilado, like oh well, that's just how it's gonna go, and I'm gonna have to you know bear the burden. Um, but yeah, like our relationship with our kids start from the beginning, not when they start talking. Um, it's really from 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 birth. Yeah.
1: So we didn't define that that was so that that part of the oh there was a definition (laughs) sorry guys so that part of the book that that we both pinpointed to is called emotional contagion um and then let me just read out to you the definition really quickly so it says because emotionally immature people have little awareness of feelings and a limited vocabulary for emotional experiences They usually act out their emotional needs instead of talking about them. Um, So this could be like if your parent comes home and they are angry and they expect you to know why they're angry. They expect you to almost try to make them feel better. And this is where we both brought up the baby. I'm like, this is the perfect example of letting a baby cry it out. Because like she said, a baby will cry because they either want a hug from you. They want to be in your arms. They're hungry. They're tired. They have a wet diaper. There is a reason why they are crying. They're mm-hmm. not crying just to, like she said, I'm going to annoy my parents
0: today. No. And um, it's, it's... I it's, don't think cognitively they have the no, capacity ab- to think not. like that. No. So I think if a baby's crying, it's really because there is something there's wrong. There's something. Something wrong. Need. Yeah, there's something that they need.
1: And sometimes I truly feel that they just want to be hugged. They just wanna be hugged.
0: And think about it, you carried a baby for nine months. They've been like close to you this whole time. Hearing your heartbeat. Yeah, and all of a sudden they come in come into the world and boom, like they're in a crib, lonely, so... by themselves. Like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that they would cry. And the fact that we as a culture, um, neglect them because they you know we don't want to spoil them that's kind of harsh so that's something that i think as moms and as um within the latino culture we definitely need to change um because kids are not embrasilados Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah i think that whole um the emotional contagion um and that's something that hit me too because it talks about um I even wrote it, when I was reading the book. I wrote like, "Wow," because she didn't, it was show them. <laughs> Because I was like, that's, I wrote, wow. "Wow," because I felt like it was me with with my kids. Um, um, it says here, uh, it says has emotional contagion, which gets other people to feel what they're feeling, and I'm like that. So it's like if I'm feeling mad, especially with my partner. Let me whisper. (laughs) Um, Especially with my partner, I feel like it's like I'm feeling mad. You're going to feel mad too. Um, And it's like, I'm not sure. um, And I think it's mostly when he pisses me off, right? Um, It's hard for me to really express how I feel. And sometimes um, I need need time to process what I'm feeling. Sometimes it'll take me a day. Sometimes it'll take me two days. But once I process what I'm feeling, then I'm able to talk about it. But right there and then, There is no way I'm going to talk about how I'm feeling. And I think a lot of it has to do with um, suppressing your emotions as a kid, right? Like when you're a kid and your parents are like, oh, don't cry. Everything is like, no llores, don't be a chillon or, you know. And so what do you learn to do? You learn to like. just suck it in. You suck it in and suppress your feelings. And so sometimes those feelings of hurt or sadness turn into anger. Turn into anger. And that's one of the things that it talks about in the book too, um. It talks about how, you know, your emotions of being neglect, uh, neglected sometimes in, in children, it, it they repress the anger and they can even turn that against themselves. And that's why you see kids who are depressed. That's why you see kids who are suicidal. Um, risky behavior. Risky behaviors. And one of the things that it also talked about is if they're not... Um, you know, exhibiting these types of um, feelings, feelings and behaviors and emotions, sometimes it's like that passive-aggressive uh, anger, which is like, uh, in order to defeat their parents in authority, um, you will start forgetting things. You start lying, you start delaying things, or avoiding things. And how many of us started lying to our parents when we were young? Why would we lie, right? And it was because we didn't want to get our parents mad. But realistically, and it's like, that starts transferring into your relationships. Think about it. How many of us do something and are like, oh, I don't want to tell my spouse because they're going to get mad. Yeah. And now it's like, I've learned, you know, over the years as I've grown, it's like, who cares if they get mad, (laughs) let them get mad and let them work through that anger. Right. But it's better to tell the truth than to lie. And I didn't know this because my whole life I spent lying to my parents because i was so afraid of either um like just kind of getting them upset or you know i wanted to do what i wanted to do and um as a kid it's like we have our own thoughts we have our own feelings oh mia
1: and then you know what i also wanted to bring up an example that i saw in myself so when i was reading this um so we're gonna backtrack a little bit uh to um what was it emotional contagion so it says as parents when they're distressed they upset their children and everyone around them typically with the result that others are willing to do anything to make them feel better in this role reversal the child catches a contagion of the parent's distress and feels responsible for making the parent feel better so this is an example that i had i think i had talked to you before about so uh there was a day where you know my home was just dirty everywhere and I was just feeling stressed and pressured, like I have to get everything done by myself. Um and then I remember my daughter saying, she's six years old, saying, Mom, I'll wash the dishes the dishes for you. And I just remember that in that point, like it was like what what was I doing? What was my face saying? What was my body saying that it made my six-year-old say, No mom, like let me help you. Like let me do it for you. Um, and I just had to like snap out of it and say, No, you you are my child. You are not responsible for anything in this home. Like it is my responsibility. But I feel like that I did it without even knowing. Just me complaining about, Oh my god, it's always dirty. Oh my god, I'm so stressed. Just talking to myself out loud, you know, my six year old caught on to that. And sometimes it's like you think they're not listening or you think they're not paying attention or you think they don't understand, yeah. but they are watching your every move. Oh yeah. So after that, I I was just like, you know what? Even if it is cluttered and it's dirty, like I can't allow myself to just vent out like that because she will try to do what she can to make me feel better. And that is not her role. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also wanted to mention that I feel like that's how the oldest daughter syndrome mm-hmm. begins. Mm-hmm. When the oldest daughter always wants to to take on the role of the helper of of even sometimes they do a role reversal and and the oldest daughter acts like the parent. So I had to stop her right there and right then and there tell her, no, you are absolutely not washing any dishes. You know, you're a baby. You're not going to do none of this, but that just makes you reflect on what you can do better next time, because guys, we are not perfect parents.
0: Oh, no. But we (laughs) I was like, oh, no. You know, we're And I'm a counselor. And I feel like, (laughs) dude, sometimes I'm like, I know this stuff. Even, you know, I took my minor is in child development. So it's in child development and family studies. So it's like, I know this stuff, you know, because this is what I've studied for the, you know, for 12 years. And so I'm not even like some of the sometimes I do think that I'm just like, I have to. But like you click on it right away and you're like,
1: yeah I I do I do yeah I do and now I'll go and I'll follow
0: like um today you know just just a small story today I told my my son I was gonna help him build a chair and I was so busy today running around doing a thousand things and he kept saying mom like he wanted to spend time with me fixing that building that chair um and I'm the type of person where if I say I'm gonna do something I do it so I told him give me 10 minutes and then I'll do it but the thing is that I feel like with my kids um I've always been one, you know, I, I told them that I was going to do it and then I ended up not doing it for until a little while, but I went in and I apologized. I was like, you know what? I told you I was going to do it um, at this time and I, I got so busy. So I apologize. So I think part of it is like reflecting and apologizing. Like, yeah, sometimes you'll say things um, that maybe you shouldn't have said, but I think the proper thing to do is apologize to your kids.
1: And just own it. Like, I'm yes. sorry I got busy. I'm sorry I forgot. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. This, because you know what? Another thing that as soon as I had my, my first baby, one thing I'm really big on is apologizing. And I feel like in the Hispanic community, I remember when my parents would hear me say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I yelled at you. I'm sorry I did this. They would be like, why are you apologizing? And again, not necessarily. I don't think that they mean anything wrong by that, but they just wouldn't understand why. And for me, it came from my mom, you know, hitting me or yelling at me, spanking at me. And I go cry in my room for hours. And then I guess her way of apologizing would come into my room and say, Are you hungry? Like Ugh. like nothing happened. Like you didn't just beat my ass and <laughs> and I'm over here like I'm gonna run away. Like, you know? And and Ugh. it was just
0: I have a chunklet break on yeah. my leg. <laughs> like, oh.
1: And it was just never acknowledging, I'm sorry, I lost my temper let's move forward this won't happen again so with me with my kids i'm a big apologizer and and even people around me if they make a mistake to my kids like if they because my kids are pretty sensitive one of them is really sensitive and it's like if you even raise your voice at her oh my god like water works so i'll be like you need to apologize and i remember one time i told someone in my family and they were like apologize for what and i was like because you hurt her feelings And I'm like, you hurt her feelings. She's not crying just because she's a girl or just because she's emotional. Oh, my God. Um, It's like you have to acknowledge I made a mistake. You know, I'm sorry. And, like, I just feel like when I make a mistake and I apologize, I'm like, like, lift it off my shoulder. Seriously. if I don't apologize, it eats me up.
0: And that is a good segue to our next characteristic (laughs) which is role entitlement Um, and role entitlement is let me just read you the quick definition is an attitude of demanding certain treatment because of your social role when parents feel entitled to do what they want simply because they're in the role of parent this is a form of role entitlement they act as though being a parent exempts them from respecting boundaries or being considerate how many of us had parents that did not respect our boundaries. Oh, yeah. Right? Like Alida was saying, that did not apologize when they, when they did wrong us. When they made a mistake. Yeah. And so that is another, you know, that's another characteristic of having an immature parent.
1: And then I wanted to add to that because I was telling her, too, that with me, I, during high school, my mom would not let me go out to do nothing, neither for middle school, nothing. And I would be like, mom, please, like, I just want to go to the movies with my friends. I just want to do this. Like, I just want to go to the house. I just want to hang out like a normal teenager wants to do. And when I would tell her, why not? Why not? She, porque, porque yo dije que no. Because I said so. Because I said so. And that was just it. And I just feel like how many times, like, for me that, I just felt like my feelings got shut down. It didn't matter what I said. She wasn't going to change her mind. And what did it make me do? I would jump sneak out, out the window. window. I would definitely <laughs> sneak out the window. And the universe knows what, what the hell I was up to. It was nothing good. And sometimes <laughs> I think, like, knows. I'm like, you know, if my parents would have known what I was doing, I would have been grounded for life. <laughs> for life. But I feel like in the different approach, if she would have been like, leave me the phone numbers of... The people you're with, because I don't have a cell phone, but my friends had cell phones.
0: Wait, were your friends allowed to go out and like, because I had friends? Yes. Because I had friends and all my friends had like single parents. So basically, yeah, all my friends had like, they were, um, they came from households where they were divorced. And so I'm not sure what, why they were allowed to be out, you know? And so I was the only one that had a curfew at 10 and I'm like, mom, things don't, Things start popping at, at 10. 10. And so they didn't get it. And so there's, I remember this one time I told my, my I went to a party and I, my dad was like, oh, come home at 10. So I got, yeah, I was like, and I was at the party and I remember like nobody has, the guy that I liked had not showed had up. not even showed up. So there's up. no freaking way I'm leaving this damn party. So my dad calls me, he's like, get your butt home because it's already 10. And I was like, no dad, I'm not coming home. Ooh. So let me tell you he he drove around the neighborhood where he thought my friend lived looking for me. But just the funniest thing like I was thinking to myself like if he just would have been like, "Oh, okay. So, you know, what time are you planning to come home? Where are you at?" And yeah, where you know, are you? Where just are tell you? me
1: where you are. You
0: know? Cuz I think our kids are going to do what they're going to do. There's yeah. nowhere you're going to stop them. Um so I think as parents, what we can do is just be there for them, um, and that's one thing I always told my kids. I'm like, if you come to me with the truth, I will never get mad at you. Yeah. And there's been, I've you know I've had to deal with a lot of things, especially with my older daughter, that she's came to me, and I'm like, she's like, mom, but you said remember that you're you not gonna what? get mad, and I'm just yeah. like, and I won't. I, I have I till this day I have always told them if you come with me with the truth, I will not get mad. And and I remember that there was
1: one time where um i got stranded i didn't come home and then the next morning i show up to my house and my mom is just ready to beat me but i told her i was like i didn't have a ride like i don't have a cell phone
0: and back then there was no cell phone first
1: of all there were already not really many cell phones but yeah, was- i didn't have a cell phone and the people that i was with didn't have cell phones um i there were pay phones around so sometimes yeah, there yeah. were there was a couple of pay phones. So that's how we would communicate. It'd be like, hey, I'm close to this destination. Meet me there, right? So then I remember I didn't come home. And then the next day, like my mom was just ready to whoop my ass. And I don't know <laughs> if we can be saying that. But then I remember that I just started crying. And then she starts crying. And she's like, do you guys know like how worried I was about you? She's like, if you would have just called me, I don't care where the hell you were at. If you would have just called me, I would have gone to pick you up. It doesn't matter the hours of the night. And I'm over here, well, like, you've never said that to me. How, I can't, I can't read your mind. Like, how was I supposed to know? And I feel like with with my kids when they get older, I definitely want to have that trust with them. Yeah. And I'm gonna be the same. If you or your friends like need a ride, just call me. I don't care if it's like three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I no, up. definitely. And you know, now that we have iPhones, we can you know track our um, location. And you know, hopefully by the time they're teenagers, we'll just I don't know, just you know, be able to find everything yeah. sooner. it's
0: it's definitely different now. It's definitely different. like having kids now and back then totally different. Very um, different. But yeah this was a good conversation yeah. <laughs> um yeah so next week we're gonna be discussing chapter four yes and this one it says it's
1: the four types of emotionally immature parents oh. Ooh, so there's four types i still haven't read it
0: me so, neither so we're but gonna I'm be gonna... me and they are gonna be reading up on the four types of emotionally immature parents yeah. oh that's very interesting so i hope you guys enjoyed our conversation tonight and i hope you guys come back next week stay tuned it's only going to get better. <laughs> and feel free to interact with us on our Instagram
1: page. It's um, at Womenology Power of Growth. Or in the comments too, Like let us know your experiences. There's also topics here that we didn't cover because maybe they just didn't stand out to us as much. So if you see a topic that stood out to you, like we want to hear it. We want to know about it. Because yeah, I'm sure people don't just want our perspective. But I know that there's so many of us who went through through this
0: and we're we want to talk about it Mm -hmm. and we're here to grow so let's just empower each other to grow yep have a good night recording stopped how long was that